are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. I can't believe it, but this is episode 50. So I wanted to take a moment to thank all of the listeners for helping me get to 50 episodes. Books Are My People has been downloaded on every continent, and the highest downloads after the U.S. and Canada include the U.K., France, Germany, Australia, and Mexico. So thank you, merci, danke, and gracias for listening. I don't know how to say thank you in many other languages, but that doesn't mean I'm not thinking it. If you would like to give me the best 50th episode celebratory gift, you could rate my podcast on iTunes. It takes mere seconds and helps other book lovers to find out about the podcast. And if you wanted to devote even more time, you could even write a review. Our other big news here is that both of my kids, ages 12 and 15, received their first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. So we are looking forward to some more social freedom. I am very excited about this 50th episode because we have Mae Cobb here today to talk about her highly anticipated novel that comes out tomorrow, The Hunting Wives. But first, it's time for some bookish news. I watched and really enjoyed the Shadow and Bone adaptation on Netflix. It's based on the book by Lee Bardugo, and I know this book well because I teach the first chapter in my Writing the Young Adult Novel course at UCLA Extension's Writers Program. If you are a fan of steampunkish fantasy or Game of Thrones, then I think you would enjoy both the book and the Netflix series. We are super fans of Jeopardy over here, and when I saw the petition circulating online to get LeVar Burton to guest host, I was very quick to sign it. I also later learned that my 12-year-old also stumbled upon it and signed it, so I am thrilled to report it is really happening, people. LeVar Burton will host Jeopardy during the last week of July. A new musical stage adaptation of F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel, The Great Gatsby, is headed for Broadway, and the music will be written by Florence and the Machines' Florence Welch and Grammy Award nominee Thomas Bartlett. And the incredible graphic novel series Paper Girls is coming to Amazon. This is a really fun series about newspaper delivery girls who get caught up in some time travel hijinks on Halloween Eve, and it takes place in 1988, which is also really fun. And my final bit of news comes from the Rochester Public Library, where you can check out your very own potato at the Potato Library. I have grown purple potatoes before, and I just bought some at the supermarket and cut them up into cubes and planted them in an old whiskey barrel and each one turned into its own potato. But I have a feeling that the potatoes you get at the potato library are not ones that you want to return because that would be sort of disgusting. You never know what people are doing with their potatoes that they take from the library. This is just a friendly reminder that my book giveaway closes tomorrow. I'm giving away a hardcover copy of Polly Sampson's new novel, A Theater for Dreamers, which came out May 11th. 
and a bar of 100% olive oil soap. So all you have to do is go to my Instagram at Jennifer Calogaris, or you can find it through the hashtag books are my people and just comment on the post. And if you want to tag a friend, that is an extra entry. Right now, you have a one in seven chance of winning. So try it. Today's guest, May Cobb, is the author of The Hunting Wives, which comes out tomorrow, and the novel Big Woods, which was released in 2018. She grew up in East Texas, the setting to both of her novels, and she studied Victorian literature for her master's. May also spent some time living in Los Angeles working for filmmaker Ron Shelton and his wife, actress Lolita Davidovich. She now lives in Texas with her husband and son. Her writing has appeared in The Washington Post, The Rumpus, Austin Monthly, and Edible Austin. So welcome, May. It's so nice to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it. It's so funny, but I also have a master's degree uh, with an emphasis in Victorian literature. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So so who did you read? I guess you're supposed to be asking the questions right now. Mine was focused on gender and sexuality. So I, I studied a lot of Oscar Wilde. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I love it. Wow. That's so cool. It's funny. And I often toy with the idea of writing a young adult Victorian-esque novel, but I just haven't quite got around to it yet. I feel like my thesis could possibly be used for something, right? Oh my gosh, would you please write that? I would read it immediately and tell everyone to read it. That sounds wonderful. Well, I'm sure you're feeling that this all feels like a whirlwind of a year leading up to the publication of your second novel. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a whirlwind year for sure, especially last year. Um, gosh, what an insane time. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I can't I can't believe that publication's here. It's been... It's been a long launch. We sold the book two years ago, and I started writing it this summer. It will have been three years ago, and then it felt like such a long way off to see it in print, and, and now it's it's approaching, and I, I really can't believe it. Well, I had the immense pleasure of reading an advanced copy review of The Hunting Wives a couple of months ago, and I absolutely raved about it to anyone who would listen. So I was so excited that you could come on the show. It's just such a clever and really funny suspense novel. I laughed so much more than I usually do during suspense novels. That's so nice to hear. I really am so glad to hear it. I tried to, um, you know, I just tried really to have fun writing it. So I'm glad to hear that it translated into a fun reading experience. Absolutely. So in your own words, what is The Hunting Wives about? Um, The Hunting Wives follows Sophie O'Neill, who is a young mother and wife, and she has left behind her glamorous sort of fast-paced magazine career in Chicago in search of a more sort of idyllic, slowed-down life um, in rural East Texas in a small town called Mapleton. And so she's uprooted her dashing husband and young son, Jack, and she wants to now be a lifestyle blogger. Um, And she envisions like, you know, frolicking in fields and picking berries and just giving back this childhood that she always wanted and um, never had because it was, she sort of had a rootless childhood, her mom moving her place to place and her dad, you know, um, leaving the family. 
anyway, long story short, she lands there. She's happy at first, but then pretty soon she's very bored and restless, and she's craving something. And when she crosses paths with Margot Banks, who is this sort of alluring, sexy socialite, um, she becomes pretty quickly obsessed with her. And Margot is the ringleader, mean girl of the Hunting Wives, which is a secret clique of women, sort of, well, not sort of, but very well-to-do, rich, crazy East Texas women who get together on the weekends and drink way too much and practice skeet shooting. And that's pretty much it without giving too much away. Yes, they practice skeet shooting, among other things, we'll just say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did you come up with the idea for this novel? I actually, um, so... My mom and I were driving around the backcountry roads of East Texas, and it was shortly after my first novel, Big Woods, came out, which is also set in East Texas. And I just love that setting. It's so different from what people think of when they think of Texas. It's lush and forested and kind of magical and also eerie. And my mom started telling me the story about when she was in high school, um, which was in the late 60s. Um, and anyway, mid to late 60s, and she told me that there was this like group of rich guys that would take people out on the weekends to something called a hunting party. And they would just basically go out into the woods and sit on the hoods of their giant cars and shoot guns at like, you know, rabbits and little animals, which my mom had no idea that's what was going on. And she went once and was like, yikes. And, uh, And when she was telling me that, I was just thinking how that could all go very wrong quickly. And I thought, what a great set for a novel. Can you talk to us a little bit about your writing process? Gosh, yeah. Um, Basically, I... So day to day, it sort of looks like in the mornings, and this was pre-pandemic when... Um, my child was in school and things were normal, but um, I basically like to write in the mornings in about two to three 30 minute bursts and take kind of like quick walks in between. And that's about as much attention as I can give it, at least in the beginning. Um, Once I'm further into a novel, I find that I can sit down and write for longer stretches because I'm racing to the finish and it's just, I'm already so embedded in it. But um, it's kind of how I start And then I also do a lot of writing on the weekends if we're out at a park or, you know, doing an activity with my son and, you know, maybe he's in the swing or, you know, whatever. I'll always have my iPhone with me and I'll tap notes on that. And then I'll email those to myself and print those out just because it's like, you know, you get more inspired when you're not sitting down and actually doing it. So that's kind of my little writing process, I guess. It's, It's worked so far. I can't. I can't just sit and say, I'm going to write half the day. I just, I would never do it. I'd be too scared of that much time. And so I have to sort of trick myself into smaller windows. I'm with you. I get, I get restless. So sitting for a long time is not going to work for me, but I think it's really encouraging for writers to hear that you don't need to be sitting at a desk for eight or nine hours a day to get a novel written. You can do short spurts of, like you said, 30 minutes, a couple times a day, and your novel will get written that way. Yeah, and it'll get written quickly. It's crazy. When I wrote my first novel, my son was quite young, like two to three, and 
Um, I, I did have help and my mom helped a lot with him, but, but a lot of my, I did not have much of an attention span. And so a lot of that novel was written in like literally 15 minute chunks and, and, in about a year, it was done, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, it, the, the pages really add up. So whoever's listening out there, just know that if you're, you know, if your job's draining you or your kids are, you know, like such a handful, and really if you can find that 15, 20 minutes a day, I feel like as long as you can keep it in your subconscious, that's more important than actually sitting down to put the words on paper, um, just keeping the running thoughts going. So true. Yeah, you work things out when you're walking the dog or right before bed. I My mind goes crazy with ideas, I feel like. What are you working on now? Yeah, I have just started another thriller. I um, I, I just, during the pandemic year, I, after The Hunting Lives, I, I wrote um, another thriller for the same publisher, Berkeley, that's publishing The Hunting Lives, and that's in edits right now. Um, and I'm waiting to hear back from my editor, so I'm going to get notes soon. But in the meantime, I've started, um, I guess it's my fourth thriller, which I can't even believe I'm saying that out loud. Um, and it's still very much in the early stages. The Hunting Wives was selected as one of the Book of the Month Club books uh, for April. I was so excited to see that. How was that experience? Um, thank you so much, first, for being excited. I was insanely excited. I couldn't believe it. So during the crazy Texas winter storm, I um, at which you know we had lost uh, heat at a certain point, not at the beginning, so we were okay. But um, and then also running water, and it was just it was just the toughest time. And then I got the email from my editor telling me the news, and I just screamed and squealed and danced around, and it, it just made such a bad time good. And um, it's been an amazing experience. What. What I didn't anticipate was, and I don't know why, but just seeing it sort of all over Instagram, bookstagrammers, you know, getting it as their book of the month club pick and then, you know, reading their reviews. And it's, it's like a, almost like a pre-release and um, I, it's been wild to, you know, and Leighton Meester, the actress from Gossip Girl, she's the one that wrote the endorsement for book of the month club. And, you know, then she put it on Instagram. I'm like, wow, this is crazy to see it out there in such a way that I, it's just, I'm still processing it. She is all over with your book. She's in the kitchen with your book. She's at the bottom of her stairs with your book. <laughs> I've seen more pictures of her posing with your book. She's such I a champion of it. Picture. I must go find it now. <laughs> Well, that's great. I'm thrilled for you. And for those of you listening who don't know, uh, Book of the Month, which I am also an avid member of, uh, does send out their books uh, pre-release date. So you get a first glimpse at a book that might not come out for another month or so. Another reason to become a member. Well, thank you so much for answering my questions. And now we're going to move on to the book. So May is going to start us off with her first pick. Yeah, my first pick is Woman on the Edge, and it is by um, Samantha Bailey. Um, this book came out last year, right around this time, and I absolutely I just devoured it. It's a thriller, and it reminded me in many ways of The Girl on the Train. Um, it's just, it's so propulsive. I, I usually am a very slow reader, but I read this in literally two sittings. 
And I just want to read like the tagline for it because it will explain it a lot better than I ever could. Um, A total stranger on the subway platform whispers, take my baby. She places her child in your arms. She says your name. Then she jumps. Just the writing is so rich and visceral and you just, you're in these characters' heads and I just, it's one of those that you can't say too much about because of the spoiler factor, but it's been an international bestseller and a USA Today bestseller. And Samantha is just a, she's a phenomenal writer. And so that is Woman on the Edge by Samantha Bailey. My first pick is The Shark Club by Ann Kidd-Taylor. And this came out actually a couple years ago in 2017. I don't quite remember how I first heard about this book. I heard about it long after it came out, but I loved it so much. And I don't know if it's because I grew up along the Pacific Ocean, but I've always had an obsession with sharks and not just in a terrifying way. But when I was younger, I really had my sights on being a marine biologist and I wanted to learn everything there was to know about sharks. So in the book, Maeve, the main character, is also shark obsessed. She was bitten by a shark when she was 12. She was in the water with her best friend, Daniel, and she still has the shark tooth that went into her. But instead of being fearful of the ocean like her twin brother, Robin, she becomes a marine biologist specializing in, you guessed it, sharks. Her parents died in a plane crash when she was young, and she's been raised by her grandmother in the hotel that she owns. And as an aside, her grandmother just loves literature and has all of these wacky literary themed parties, and I really wanted her grandma to be my friend. Cut to years later, Maeve is studying lemon sharks with her dive partner, Nick, whom she's definitely flirting with but also reflecting on her relationship with her childhood best friend, Daniel, and how that friendship has shifted as they grew up together. When her current job is over, she has plans to study whale sharks in Mozambique, but in the meantime, she's on hiatus, and she decides to go home to the hotel in Florida that her grandmother runs in order to get her bearings and connect with her twin brother and see her grandmother, and of course, Daniel happens to also have returned. So I won't spoil anything plot-wise, but this is just such a beautiful read. Aside from all of the interesting talk about sharks, I just felt like all of the characters were so real and relatable, and I can't really think of a read-alike except for maybe Bright and Dangerous Objects, which I talked about on episode 33. And again, that is The Shark Club by Anne Kidd Taylor. That sounds phenomenal. I'm getting that for sure. It was beautiful. It was one of those surprising books that I just happened to pick up, and it was fantastic. So my next pick is Hollow by Owen Edgerton. And um, Owen is a novelist as well as a film director. And um, I just, I can't say enough about this novel. Like, it's definitely in my top five, and it's a masterclass in structure and character development, and especially character arcs. Um, And it's, uh, I'm going to read the description because it's so beautiful, but um, when Oliver Barnes loses his toddler son and undergoes intense legal scrutiny over his involvement, grief engulfs him completely. His life is upended, costing Oliver his wife, home, and faith. Three years after his son's death, Oliver lives in a shack and frequents the soup kitchen where he used to volunteer. 
It's only when befriended by Lyle, a bombastic, oversexed con artist with a passion for conspiracy theories, that Oliver begins to re-engage with the world. Inspired by Lyle and a community of eccentrics, Oliver becomes convinced that the earth is hollow and holds a true Eden. Desperate to find a place where he can escape his past, Oliver chases after the most likely of miracles. Um, I have probably read this book. It came out in 2017, like three or four times. I just, I pick it up. I start to read it to, you know, find inspiration from the, the prose. And then I get sucked in all over again. It's, um, it's kind of a modern take on the book of Job where, you know, the main character is asking, why does God permit bad things to happen in the world? And it's just so moving and lyrical and beautiful, and I just, I can't recommend it highly enough. And that is Hollow by Owen Edgerton. Thank you. You had me at Masterclass in Writing. I'm definitely going to pick that one up. It sounds great. You'll love it. I seem to be working on a nature theme this week. That was not my intention, but my next pick is a nonfiction book called World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments, and this is by Amy Nezakum Matahil. This book is part flora and fauna encyclopedia and part memoir. It's really unlike anything I've ever read before. Each section is a memory of Amy's vis-a-vis some animal or plant in nature with accompanying artwork. So for example, in the peacock section, there's a beautiful image of a peacock, and the author talks about how peacocks are the national bird of India. She reflects back on a time when she's in grade school and is asked to draw her favorite animal. She sketches a peacock drawing on her own Indian heritage, but then her teacher says something along the lines of, well, I meant an American animal. So by looking at nature through the author's eyes, we gain insight into her experiences in life. My favorite part of the book was learning about the axolotl, which is the world's most incredible amphibian and my new favorite animal. I was so inspired by this that I actually painted a picture of one that I will post on my Instagram account sometime this week. You have to Google them. These animals are absolutely insane. If you cut off one of their limbs, and I'm in no way suggesting that you do, they regenerate a new one. They'll even grow a new jawbone. And if you attach the fallen limb to any part of their body, their body will accept the limb and it will regenerate there. Their cells are the same as stem cells, so scientists are studying axolotls as a means of curing cancer and all sorts of other things. They're just incredible. And phosphorescent. Some of my favorite chapters in this book included the one on the flamingo, the axolotl of course, and peacock. Delightful drawings of the plants and animals are by artist Fumi Mini Nakamura. Each mini essay is only about a page to a few pages long. This is the perfect gift for the nature lover in your life and the project began as essays as part of a bi-monthly column called World of Wonder curated by Roxanne Gay. And again, that's World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nezakum Matahil. That sounds phenomenal, too, and I, I can't wait to see your drawing. I don't know how phenomenal that will be, but... <laughs> I can't wait, and that, that sounds, it sounds like such an incredible book, like the form of it and everything. It was so creative, really creative. 
Well, um, my next pick is The Girls Are Also Nice Here by Lori Elizabeth Flynn. And it is, um, gosh, it just came out, it came out about five weeks ago, and it, it immediately went straight to the Toronto Star list of best-selling Canadian fiction. I absolutely inhaled this book. It is a deliciously twisty, dark thriller that takes a deep dive into female, really toxic female friendships. And it's, um, it's set, it's set between two time frames. So it follows Ambrosia Wellington and she's just received like an invitation to her 10 year college reunion. Um, and the invitation says, um, let's see, we need to talk. It, it comes along with an anonymous note that reads, we need to talk about what we did that night. So it's been comped as like, I know you did, I know what you did last summer meets Mean Girls. And it's also been comped to Heather's and the Secret History. Um, I'd like to read a little of the description because it's so wonderful. Um, it seems the secrets of Ambrosia's past and the people she thought she'd left there aren't as buried as she believed. Anne can't stop fixating on what she did and who she did it with. Larger than life, Sloan Sully Sullivan, Anne's former best friend who can make anyone do anything. At the reunion, Anne and Sully receive increasingly menacing messages, and it becomes clear they're being pursued by someone who wants more than just the truth of what happened that first semester. This person wants revenge. It was so wonderful chatting with you, May. Thanks so much for visiting, and best of luck with the release of The Hunting Wives. I hope everyone goes out and buys it. Thank you so much, Jen. This was such a blast. I really appreciate you having me on. Next up for me is The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendricks. May, what do you have on your bookshelf to read next? Um, Dial A for Aunties by Jessie Sutanto. Oh, I've heard such good things about that. Right? I mean, it's everywhere. I can't wait. Next time, artist Missy Dunaway will be here to talk about all things art, as well as her new book release, which showcases her travel journals that she's so well known for painting. All of the books mentioned are available in the show notes and link up to my Books Are My People bookstore at bookshop.org. To learn more about May Cobb, visit maycobb.com and I will link up all of her social media accounts in the show notes. In the meantime, pre-order The Hunting Wives and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. Mm-hmm.